And um, I'm going to take us today to the book of Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 13. I want to start reading at verse 44. I do believe that the Lord put something on my heart. And uh, I sought him to have a word for somebody today. I realize that every time I preach, there are two guaranteed audiences. One thing I think preaching for all is for all of us. I think every message is just for everybody. But I believe that there are certain messages that are specifically for chosen people. And so I believe that the Lord put something in my heart. Matthew 13 verse 44 says again, The kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And I'm just going to say that this our world today is in an economic earthquake. If, if you follow the stock market, you understand that these past few days, it's been highs and lows. It's been breaking records that have been set as far back as the early 30s. Increases, losses, and uh, its uh, investors are nervous. They're wondering if the bear market or the bull market's going to win. Analysts are discussing whether or not we're due for another recession, depending on who you listen to or whose column you read. It's either a hopeful time or it's a grim time when somebody's saying hedge all of your all of your bets and and uh, just try to hold your breath until it's over with. Uh, investors they're wondering where to put their money because they don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. And I'm just going to say some of us, like myself, we're like my wife. My my wife is not a member of the English royalty. Y'all can be seated. Make yourself comfortable. Yeah. Uh, she's not a member of the of the British royalty, but she loves everything about it, and so she observes it. That's the way some of us are about the financial market. We're we're not players, but we watch the charts go up and down. And they're going crazy right now. And that's why I want to preach for a few minutes about today's investments and tomorrow's returns. Because you see, they're good and bad investments. And uh, some will invest in things that will be tomorrow's disasters. Uh, Imagine, what if your father had invested all the family's savings into shares of typewriters just before word processors were invented? What if you bought shares in typewriter ribbons or eraser pencils? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Because word processors changed the whole world of typing. If you if you learned to type back when I did, you just had a old typewriter under wood or something you type and you made sure that you had to hit all the keys the same pressure even with the little fingers that were the weaker fingers because however hard you hit the key was how strong the letter would hit the surface of the paper it would hit actually a ribbon and and imprint the imprint of that letter onto the paper And if you made a mistake, you had to roll the paper up and take your pencil, a wooden pencil that instead of having lead in it, had an eraser. And you would have to erase that mistake, and the little brush was on the other end of the pencil. You'd brush the crumbs off so they didn't fall down in your typewriter. And then you'd have to roll the paper back into position and backspace and hope that when you retyped that letter, it would still be aligned with the others. If you were trying to center something in a page, you you had to get to the center of the page and, and say every letter and every second letter, you hit the backspace. And... Um, 
You see, word processors changed all of that because you can automatically center a page. You can indent. You can auto-correct. You, you don't have to erase a letter. You can just go and type a different letter in its place. And if you misspell it, you don't have to print a whole document again. You can just hit auto-correct. But you see, if you'd invested everything in typewriters, the tomorrow wouldn't have been good for you for that investment. And you see, there's some things that, that used to be important and they're not important anymore. We, we were listening uh, yesterday, I think it was, to some, some friends. I say some friends, they don't know me personally, but I know who they are. And they're, um, they're entertaining, they're, they're wonderful couple of young men, and they were singing a song, The Devil's in the Phone Booth, dialing 911. A lot of folk don't know what phone booths are anymore because nobody, we don't need phone booths now because everybody has a cell phone. There, there's some things that as time has passed, the tomorrow's changed what yesterday seemed to be a good idea. And so there's a lot of companies that today we wish we had bought shares in when the price was low. What about Microsoft? Wouldn't you like to have bought into Microsoft? What about Google when they first started? Wouldn't you like to have bought some shares? What about Walmart? You know, the first Walmart I ever knew anything about was here in Sumter. There was a lady coming to our church and, and uh, she said, well, I work at Walmart. And I said, what's that? She said, well, it's a store. It's, it's down on Main Street, it's downtown. I think it was in the first block of Main Street. After, if I remember right, after you cross Liberty Street, first block. I said, "Well, what is?" She said, "Well, you you can come in the back door, or whatever you want to." So I visited Walmart. I'd never heard of it before. I walked in, and there were just tables. This big room, and there were just tables, and there were piles of towels and and washcloths and sheets stacks, and that's all Walmart. Wouldn't it have been? A wonderful idea if I had known to buy some stock in Walmart. Or what about McDonald's? The first McDonald's I ever heard of was here in Sumter. It was a little cement block building and they had a sign that said thousands sold. Those signs didn't last long. After a while it was millions and finally it became impossible to keep changing the signs to keep up with that. But what if you'd have bought into those things and invested when the price was good? But you see, there, there, there are people who are afraid or unwilling to invest because it means giving up something of value now and committing it to the future. I know somebody that had... Um, didn't realize that they were the beneficiary on an insurance policy. and uh, But that person who took out the policy died young. And a young person received an insurance check that they didn't even know was coming. I tried to counsel with that person. And uh, I tried to say, you know... This is a good bit of money. Why don't you invest this? Uh, and I tried to think of some ideas. Why not take this money and turn it into something that will make money for you? And this person instead indignantly said, well, it was my, it's my money. I want to spend it. And so they did. Very quickly, it was all spent and um, it, it, was, it was gone. Some people are, are afraid. They're, they're afraid to do this. And I'm going to say there's not anything wrong with wise investments. Not anything wrong with it. Jesus uh, used the value of, of investing in one of his parables. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. I want you to think about that a minute. Don't ever complain that somebody else has more talent than you. God gives us Talents according to our several abilities. And, to, he, and, and, and so he gave to one just one talent. 
to every man according to several abilities and straightway took his journey. Now, if you read the story, you realize that when the master came back, the one who had five talents came and reported and said, Master, you know, I've invested is basically what he's saying. I've invested and I turned your five talents into ten talents. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm going to reward you. are going to be a ruler. I'm just I'm going to put you into position of, uh, of leadership. And the one with two talents came and said, Master, I took your two talents. And basically he said, I invested it and I've earned two additional talents and he got the same response as the one with five the the master said well done good and faithful servant the scripture said then he which had received the one talent came and said lord i knew thee that thou art a hard man reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed and i was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Here it is. I brought it back to you. And the, it, the, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Listen, thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. I would, my money would have earned something is what he said. So now that's that's natural stuff. It's it's not bad to have a source of income and be be wise in the use of money. But my text today deals with investing in something other than businesses that succeed or fail or loans with compound interest. These parables dealt with the kingdom of heaven. It's more important. There's some things that are more important than the next paycheck. Scripture says... Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and sells all that he has, and buys that field. And he repeated almost the same principle. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So Jesus is dealing with the subject of somebody weighing the value of the kingdom of heaven and being willing to invest all their hopes and resources into the decision to commit to that cause. See, in the beginning of his earthly ministry, Jesus called some men and basically he was saying, I want you to invest in my, in my kingdom program. Matthew recorded in chapter 4, verse 18, he said, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, cast a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately... And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, Luke gave a little bit more detail. Luke was a, a detailed person. He was a physician. He, uh, he recorded some things that some of the other gospel writers didn't. And so he told the story like this. It came to pass uh, in the fifth chapter, I'm in the fifth chapter of Luke, first verse said it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he was astonished in all that were with him at the drought of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, this is important, they forsook all and followed him. I'm going to say that everybody that Jesus called didn't follow him. Uh, For some, the price was too great. And the Bible tells us about one of those men. Mark chapter 10 tells the story. Verse 17 said, And and when he was gone forth, by the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? There's nobody good but God. And then he said, You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal Don't kill, don't bear false witness, don't cheat anybody, honor your father and mother. And this man was very proud to click them all off. Okay, I hadn't committed adultery, hadn't killed anybody, I don't steal things, I don't lie, I don't cheat people, I honor my father and mother, I've done all these things. And he answered and master all these have I observed from my youth then Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him one thing thou lackest now Jesus fixed and tell him what it's going to cost him to invest go thy way sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And I'm going to say, wouldn't it be sad for somebody to be one step away from heaven and not get to go in? I'm just going to say there are requirements for us. I was thinking the other day, if um, you know, if, the, if, if a pilot wants to fly a plane across the ocean, but only puts enough fuel in to go three quarters of the way across he's not going to make it he's going to die there's no way that we're going to get into heaven if we just don't fulfill the requirements I'm just I'm just going to say that and Jesus looked around and and he said to his disciples how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God And disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answered again and said, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? He didn't say it was a sin to be rich. He just said a lot of people trust in their riches. That's the sin. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, some folk are puzzled by that. I believe I understand interpretation there were doorways that were so small and that was for safety reasons that if a camel was going to go through they had to unload the pack off its back they had to unload everything get the camel down on its knees and let it slither its way through that small doorway some doorways were even small for people they had to stoop over to enter and that was a defensive measure because they were stooped over trying to push their way into somebody else's house or fortress they were not in a position to attack but they could themselves be attacked as they tried to crawl in that small and Jesus said it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished and they said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked upon them and said, with men it is impossible, but with God, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And now here's the reason I read this much. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lord, we have left all and followed thee. Peter said, I want to remind you, Jesus, that we invested everything. It's like the man with the pearl. He sold everything he had to buy that pearl of great price. We left our our boats back there is what Peter said. And Jesus 
answered and said, Rarely I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters, mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Now he he said there would be some blessings here in this life if we follow him. I want to tell you about a man. His name was Alexander Kerr. Alexander H. Kerr. He was converted under the ministry of Dwight L. Moody at the age of 14. He joined the Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And uh, in 1902, Mr. Kerr read the book that was entitled Judah's Scepter and Joseph's Birthright. It was written by Bishop Allen. In this book, Bishop Allen referred to the vow that Jacob made in Genesis chapter 28. And we find these words. Jacob said this to God. He said, of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. And so the bishop wrote about this in his book. Alexander Kerr read the book and uh, was inspired. God listened to uh, Jacob because here he is fleeing away from home with nothing. Afraid his brother's going to kill him. 20 years, he comes back and he is a wealthy man. And so, with some doubt, but with a desire to test and see if the Bible is true, just to prove to himself, Alexander Kerr decided he, he, this is going to be a personal promise and God's promises are from everlasting to everlasting. And so on June the 1st of 1902, he made a special covenant to set aside a certain percentage of his income for the work of the Lord. At that time, he had a mortgage on his home, owed many obligations. He was burdened with cares and worries, especially of a financial nature. However, he was determined to prove that God would do for him what he did for Jacob. And he, he, repli- he, he relied on some other verses, just like Matthew, uh, Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read what Malachi 3 verses 8 through 11 says. God is speaking through Malachi and God says, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed you? And he answers, In tithes and offering. I mean, it didn't just say tithes. There's, there are two categories here. Someday, if you need me to explain, I'll do that. And so God says, You're cursed with a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Then he gives the promise. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not devour the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, Mr. Kerr said, I'm going to test that scripture. I'm I'm, going to test God. And so he often remarked later to skeptics, he said, if you want to prove God, he said, why don't you just pay your tithes for one year? And God will prove that he's the same yesterday and today and forever. Now, within three months after Mr. Kerr began to tithe, unexpected, unforeseen blessings came to him so much that it seemed to him that God had opened his eyes to behold his love and his faithfulness and to his promises. Now, now he, he believed Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, according to your faith be it unto you. That was, that was one of his verses of promise. Now, this same year, here's where I'm trying to get to is this story. That same year, Mr. Kerr, with very small capital, but with strong faith in God's tithing promise, organized the firm known as the Kerr Glass Manufacturing Company which eventually became one of the largest firms selling fruit jars in the United States. The jars were manufactured for him in San Francisco. Now, at the time of the San Francisco earthquake, which was 1906, this firm was manufacturing his fruit jars, 
Mr. Kerr had put practically every cent he had in the world into this fruit jar enterprise, and then came the earthquake. He had friends who said to him, Kerr, you are a ruined man. He said, I don't believe it. I know God will not go back on his promises. It was because he had invested something. So he wired San Francisco and he received the following reply. Quote, your factory is in the heart of the fire and undoubtedly it is destroyed. The heat is so intense we will be unable to find out anything for some days. So he, he kept going back to Malachi 3 that said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. So about a week after the earthquake and fire, he received a second telegram saying, everything for a mile and a half on all sides of the factory burned, but your factory was miraculously saved. So immediately he got a train to San Francisco. This factory was a two-story wooden building containing the huge tanks where glass was melted. The tanks were kept at extremely high temperatures. Oil was used for fuel. Therefore, this building was the most flammable in San Francisco. The fire had raged on all sides of this glass factory, creeping up to the wooden fence surrounding the building and even scorching the wooden fence. Then the flames and fire leaped around and over and beyond the building, burning everything in its path. However, not even the wooden fence was burned, nor the building, nor and not a single glass jar was cracked by earthquake or fire. I'm just going to say, here's a man that said, I'm going to invest. I'm going to make an investment in the things of God. And uh, that, that was a miracle. Three, three weeks before his death, Mr. Kerr addressed uh, members of the First Baptist Church of Riverside, California, uh, talking to them about the blessings of tithes and, and possessions increase, all of that. And every business interest that he had interest in was tithe. His returns were so great that he created a tithing fund, had it incorporated. His tithing gifts went around the world. Because he believed that if I'll invest in kingdom things, I'm going to have the favor of God. Because what Jesus said to Peter was, in this earth, I, I will increase it a hundredfold in this earth. You see, God's reward to us financially is based on the law that he instituted himself. It's, it's like he made laws in creation. He... Um, uh, I wish I had the ability today. We didn't have any apples at our house. But I would love to take an apple and pull the seed out. And it brought a seed here. Because you see, God created and God put a law in that seed of that apple. That apple is going to have to obey that law. And the law that God says to that seed, seed, when you go into the soil, there's going to be some moisture. There's going to be some, uh, some, uh, some nutrients in the earth. And I'm going to let the sun shine. And, and, and you're going to have to reproduce because I've got a law that if you're planted, you're going to bring a harvest. And so that seed has the capability to produce a tree. And the tree will produce multiple apples that have extra seeds and that tree will produce year after year after year. And you see, God, that's because it's the law. God made that same law with us given financially. I'm just going to say that's, that's not the focus of my lesson today, but that needs to be a lesson that all of us learn. If we'll trust God, if we'll just trust Him, that's a better investment than the stock market. You, you, you can't, you don't do it out of greed. You, you just don't invest in God's work out of greed because look, I put this, I'm supposed to get a hundred percent back. You do it just because that's, that's God's plan and He's going to take care of me. He, 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 He will supply needs how, wherever the, the direction, the source needs to be. But you see, it's, that's what God does for us here in this permanent life. He, He, He said, Peter, you're going to be blessed here. Houses and lands and stuff here. But then you're going to have another blessing. 
It, it, you're investing in following Jesus means more than just being blessed financially and him being generous given to us and us being generous given. Salvation is not factored by our money. You can't buy your way to heaven. Investing our lives into his kingdom. That's the other investment. That, that's what I'm trying to get to us today. We need to invest our lives into the kingdom. It means that we give up our own notions and personal ideas about how to be saved and surrender to his plan of salvation, commit ourselves to obeying his guidelines for living our lives. Right. See, being sweet to others don't fulfill the qualifications for us to be born again. Taking food to sick people, we're supposed to do it, but that don't fulfill the qualifications for us to be saved. You see, Jesus invested something first for us. His investment was a whip on his back, blood on a cross. The coin he deposited was a crown of thorns on his head, a spear in his side. His determination to help us was proven by three days in a dark tomb. But with what he invested, he he said, now I've got the right to determine what you're going to have to invest if you're going to be part of my kingdom. So the message his apostles preached was he, he died for our sins. He was buried and that he rose again the third day and he rose with victory over death. Now what he's offering to us in his kingdom, he's offering that victory over sin and eternal death to us. So when they preached on the day of Pentecost about it, Jesus sacrificed. People say, well, what do we have to do? And, and Peter gave an answer. I'm going to just say very plainly. I have heard preachers that say, when people say, what do I have to do to be saved? I've heard preachers say, you don't do anything. It was all done for you just by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But that's not the answer that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus had given Peter the keys of the kingdom. And he said to all the apostles, your witnesses. Now, you're going to preach repentance and remission of sins in my name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out on 120 people in the upper room, including the apostles, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, that's when Peter preached this message. Here's the one that was crucified. You put him in a grave. Grave couldn't hold him. He, he's, he's risen from the grave. He's both Lord and Christ. He wants to, he wants to give you some victory in your life. So they said, well, what do we have to do? Peter's answer was repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is to you and to your children to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible said with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves. There is something you're supposed to do. If you want to invest, you, you just can't sit and think about it. You've got to invest something. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And the Bible said those that received that word glad. Well, that, that was three, they, were, they were baptized. There were 3,000 added to the church that day. So when Peter said, Lord, we left all of it to follow. Jesus said, to him, well, you're going to receive hundredfold now. Brothers, sisters, houses, lands. And in the world to come, you're going to receive eternal life. Not only am I going to bless you on earth, but I'm planning blessings for you in the world to come. You see, everybody didn't invest. I've shared some stories here through the years. I, I read some stories. I read about, uh, about uh, a man who tried to get his friend uh, to buy some land. He said, I got a big project. I'm going to start a big project. And um, this was... Uh, uh, Walter and he talked to his, his friend and um, he said buy some land it's real cheap right now but uh, his friend said oh that's that's just a wild idea I don't I don't think I'm gonna do that but it was Walt Disney who was going to build Disneyland and his friend didn't buy any cheap land until it was no longer cheap and there are people in the Bible that had the opportunity to invest in the kingdom, but they didn't. And strangely, it seemed that so many of them were rich. The one we read about, we call him the rich young ruler. His name is not given, but he is, 
he is never mentioned after this. There's a rich man and Lazarus, a rich man who failed to share his his blessings and and, and looked on somebody else's need and and, uh, and and cared more about himself. There was a man we call the rich barn builder who amassed all of his possessions, hoarding it and saying, now I'm going to live on it for a long time. You see, those men didn't invest. But Peter Peter and the apostles, you know, when Jesus said, hey, y'all want to go somewhere else? They said, Lord, we don't have anywhere else to go. You're the, you're the only one that has the words of eternal life. Right. I, if we, we, we're, we've already left our boats. We, we left all to follow you. You're not going to get rid of us. We're, we're in this for the long haul. Now, he told him, he said, sometime it's going to be, sometime it's going to be bad. You know, you've seen me break bread and heal people and raise the dead and all that. But we stopped outside the city of Samaria, wanted to find a place, and they didn't even give us a place to sleep. And I'm just going to tell you, foxes have holes, birds are there have nests, but the Son of Man don't have a place to lay his head. And I'm not going to call fire down on them out of heaven. We're just going to have to camp out here in the woods somewhere. Sometime in the market's up and sometime it's down, but I'm just going to tell you, you, you can trust investing in the kingdom. So Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So I'm just going to say, we never hear of a rich young ruler ever. Coming back, change his mind. Hey, look, I think I'm going to get in on that. Here, here's, here's the receipt. I got rid of everything. Jesus, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in your kingdom. He never came back. And we never hear from him again. The barn builder had his death sentence spoken that very night. And the rich man that didn't feed Lazarus was already in hell when we read his story. But John got a glimpse of what Jesus had prepared for those who invested in his kingdom. He wrote about it, Revelation 21, verse 1. He said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. I'm going to stop a minute and mention that Jesus said that it's, uh, if you follow me, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to pick up a cross. From what I understand, all of this is not in the scriptures. Some has been handed down by tradition and some tradition is perhaps true. Uh, we can't guarantee everything, but tradition says that every one of the apostles died a violent death. With the exception of John, who they tried to put him to death, they boiled him in oil, and he didn't die there. He was placed on an island, though, to die on an isle of Patmos. So it cost them something to invest in the kingdom. But John is the last one that's still living. And he said, I was in spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a voice and turned around. There was one standing there and his eyes were like flames of fire. His voice of many waters. He said his feet were like brass burned in an oven. He said, I, I was standing there, didn't know. And this one said, uh, I'm, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. He said, I'm he that lives and was dead and I'm alive forevermore and I've got the keys of death and hell and the grave. So John begins to write what he's told to write and he's almost through. And he, he said, I saw this city coming down from heaven. And the Bible said, he carried me away in the spirit to a great And high mountains showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God in her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high and had twelve gates, and at the gate 
12 angels and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I wonder if someday John turn and say, Hey, Peter, look, look. James, Andrew, look, look, there's our names. There's, it was worth investing. I'm going to say the world, the world is bidding for your investment. It may be offering you riches and pleasure and fame and acceptance and, and uh, you might be the most popular person in town. You might be so rich that everybody cheers you on. You may be so popular that you think it it'd make you even better to have pictures of you immodest and sing dirty songs and Fame may do something that makes your brain rebel against the virtues of God. But there's an auctioneer and he's bidding. But somebody else is bidding and he's, it's the Lord. I'm going to tell you what the Lord's bidding. He said, then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake, shall find it. For what is a man provative? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And while the world is shouting, said, I'll make you popular, I'll make you rich, I'll make you famous, I'll make you loved. That's what I'm offering you. What the Lord's offering you is say, look, I got a cross for you. But if you'll take it, if you'll invest, it's going to be worth everything you have dreamed of. I'm going to say our understanding changes the values of the investment. When we understand better, we recognize the value. I'm going to ask my team to get ready. I'm going to read a little poem. It's an old poem written by... Myra Welch years ago. Here's the poem. It says, "'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks?' he cried. "'Who'll start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar? Then two. Only two? Two dollars? Who'll make it three? Three dollars once?' Three dollars twice, going for three. But no, from the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as caroling angels sing. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What am I bid? for the old violin and he held it up with the bow a thousand dollars who'll make it two two thousand and who'll make it three three thousand once three thousand twice and going and gone said he the people cheered but some of them cried we do not quite understand what change it's worth swift came with the, re- the reply the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul, and the change that's wrought by the touch of the Master's hand. You see, it's possible that today, while we're having church 
to get together that somebody in your home you may be holding that iPad or that phone in your hand you may be watching this on your computer screen and it may be that today you're saying I wish I could get to church I'd, I'd like I'd like to go down that altar and say God here it is I'm investing today and I'm going to tell you, you don't have to be at church you can do it right now I'm going to pray for you in a minute I'm going to pray for you because what you need to do is first say, God, I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. I've transgressed your law. I've sinned against you. But would you forgive my sin and help me turn my life around? Because I'm going to invest in your kingdom. I'm going to be sold out to you. I, I don't want to be my own. I want you, I want you to own me. I want you to purchase me with your blood. I want to be sold out to you. And if you'll ask him to forgive your sins, he'll forgive you. And when your sins are forgiven, you feel the, 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 the forgiveness, the load. You should lift your hands and begin to thank Him and give Him praise because God inhabits praise. And while you're praising Him, He would love to fill you with His Spirit. If He does, it will happen to you the way it happened to the people on the day of Pentecost, the way it happened to all of us, the way it's happening to millions of people across the world today. Why you praise Him, He will join in and you will begin to praise Him with a language you do not know because God will begin to give you words of praise in a language He says with stammering lips and another tongue will He speak to His people to whom He said, This is the rest. We with you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshment. And Jesus said, I want to give you rest, not like the world gives. I want to give you peace. I want, I, I want to give you something that the world can't give you. He wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to say for some people, the investment into eternity don't seem very valuable. But for those who understand the worth of it, it's the best offer ever. I'm just going to say without being trite, the rewards are out of this world. Right. I want to pray, and we're going to, we're going to sing a song for you. I want to pray for you now again. Jesus, for those, somebody that's been praying even now, somebody that's been searching their heart, they've been pouring out everything before you because they want you to be their Lord and Savior. They, they want to be purged from sin. They want to start out all over again. Somebody wants to start a new life with you. Somebody wants to become a servant of the Lord. They want your blessings on this earth. But more than that, they want that eternal blessing. They want eternal life. They want that life after this world. When this world is finished. When this world is on fire. When viruses. When wars. When, when distress of nations. When things rack this world. They want to know that you prepared a place for them and someday we're going to see you face to face I pray for them I pray for somebody today that has sickness I want to pray if you have sickness in your body possibly there's something maybe there's a tumor maybe maybe there's cancer in your body if it's possible why don't you lay your hand on that place on your body while we pray why don't you pray a prayer with me in Jesus name why don't you say this in the name of Jesus Christ I accept the gift of your healing you paid for it with stripes on your back I receive that gift of your healing in my body now I curse this tumor I command it to leave my body in Jesus name I command this cancer to be healed I command this author us to be healed. I command those things to leave me because you paid a price for me. I receive your healing into my body right now. In Jesus' name, I speak that word of faith for somebody right now. In Jesus' name, why don't you thank him by faith? I thank you, Jesus. 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 If you know this old song, why don't you join in and sing with us? The burdens of life may be many. The frowns of this world may be cold. To me it will matter but little when I walk up the streets of Oh! 
me when I walk up the streets of gold. With joy I shall enter that city, the face of my Savior behold. And I shall be changed and be like Him when I walk up the streets of gold. shall unfold and what dazzling splendor surround me when I walk up the streets of gold walk up the streets of gold when I walk up the streets of gold how my heart will rejoice in that morning when I walk my friend I want to see you there I want to see you there I want to see my my friends and loved ones but I want to see somebody that I hadn't met maybe today we've been meeting and, and we really hadn't gotten acquainted yet but I want to see you there my friend let the Lord be your final investment and be blessed in Jesus